context is I got a bread making machine and it makes really good small loaves of bread for me and my boyfriend to finish in a single day. We we now eat a whole loaf of bread in a single day, but it's it's a small loaf. And we didn't just eat bread for dinner, which pros and cons to that, because um, we do uh, eat just like maybe not enough veggie to carb ratio when we eat a loaf of bread because mm-hmm. we do we do a lot of frozen like pasta meals and stuff that you just like dump in a pot with some water Ooh, and then like yeah. the sauce like melts from like a frozen state to like a sauce oh, that's cool. state. <laughs> um, yeah we we are not great at staying on top of cooking at our house um neither of us particularly enjoy cooking and if we try and force ourselves to do it, it just doesn't happen, and then all the food goes bad. Oh. And uh, that's wasteful. So right now, we are working on building up to maybe doing regular cooking, um, which is why frozen pasta meals are perfect, because they are frozen, and they don't go bad, and they're easy, so they're, like, entry-level, and um, we have them with homemade bread now, which Ooh. is also very easy to make. So don't think that that's like a big new thing, listener, if you've never used a bread machine. That <laughs> is not a big new... It is very easy to put all the ingredients in and let the machine do every single part of the rest of the work. It's amazing. Why Why do you have to put your bread by a window to let it rise? I don't know if other people do that. I've made one loaf of bread in my entire life, and it sucked. Because my house was really cold, so I had to put it, like, by the heater and in the sunlight to make sure it rose even the tiniest bit. And I don't think it got that much bigger. It was fine, but it was not quite right. Just let the bread maker do it. It's heated. Yeah. It keeps it warm while it proves, and then it knows when it's done proving in a way that I never know, where I'm like... Am I overproving it? Am I underproving it? I've watched enough British Bake Off to know that those are terms <laughs> and to know vaguely what they mean, but I don't know when they happen. Mm-mm, not at all. I know that you can overneed and underneed dough. Do I know when that happens or if I'm doing it? Not at all. No. No, absolutely not. But the bread machine does know those things. And so it does it for me. And it was a good bake. <laughs> And I love it. Um, I just had like a like a recovered memory moment of my grandma making homemade bread when I was little and not using a bread machine. Um, and she used to put the loaves of bread like covered with a towel, but on the floor in front of a heater. But she and my grandpa always had dogs. And so it's actually amazing the self-control that those dogs... I I don't remember there ever being a problem with that. It was never like... They did have really smart cattle dogs. So, um, because they... My grandpa had like a very small, but like a little hobby ranch. And so he had dogs that could go out to his little ranch with him. And they're very smart dogs. And they were always very well behaved. So it's not super surprising knowing the dogs, but just in general, like I have very, I have two out of three very good (laughs) dogs who I don't think would have that level of self-control. Yeah, that's amazing. Because like you said, cattle dogs are really, really smart, but even still, they're dogs. They smell some good, good bread. They might just eat that. I don't know. That's crazy. Good for those dogs. Yeah. Funny enough, my dog that's half cattle dog uh who does not fall into the two out of three very good dogs he is super naughty he is also the least food motivated so i expect that he would be the least likely to just help himself to food so that might that might play into it maybe who's to say not me no idea i know nothing about dogs you asked the wrong lady i do love a good (laughs) dog but don't know a darn thing about him But that's a cute story. And, uh, now I want bread. Yeah, it's such a wholesome, homemade bread is a wholesome way to start out this podcast (laughs) where we will indeed be talking about so many horrific things. And I actually think it's really important to call out literally, I will probably call it out here at the top and again after our intro, just to make sure if anyone skips this part 
that they hear it, that this has been pre-discussed, that it will be an absolute, it was the perfect metaphor that Emily made. Uh, Emily made the metaphor that it will be like a ballet dance for us to figure out how to talk about this very intense show that does include heavy topics like religion and misinformation and so many things that are so hard to be fun and funny about. Yeah, I don't know how My Favorite Murder took a whole concept, murder, and just made it funny because they're so tactful about it, but they're so funny at the same time. And I want you guys to know, we we will prioritize the tact. We will try to make this light and funny, but we're dealing with some heavy, heavy stuff, and we might not be equipped comically to make this fun. Um, We're also just generally having a bad time, but we'll get into that. (laughs) Yeah, we will. We will dive deep into how maybe we made a mistake when we were going into our spooky season episode or K-drama choosings. Um, Maybe not. Maybe the last three episodes, thank God, too, can we just say that we watched three episodes and we have Three more to go. Bonus episode pending, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. We'll start. We'll start. And then we'll get deeper into this. and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it three episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes one through three of Hellbound. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, Uh, There are only six episodes, so welcome to the first half of Hellbound. Yeah, hopefully the worst half... Um, yeah, I'm, I don't anticipate that being the case. No, but I, I don't know what else they can take from us. We've got a lot of feelings. We've got, Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you want to do any disclaimers before we jump in? Yeah, I'll do another disclaimer that I just did before we did the intro that, um, it's just worth doing it again, just one more time here at the top, top. There are very hard topics in this K-drama. It's extremely heavy. It's a horror drama, which we like horror. So we can also talk about what makes this one harder for us to handle than other horror K-dramas. Or just generally horror that we typically enjoy, the two of us. But two of those major topics that it uses uh, as horror devices are... um, religious fanaticism, and misinformation. And both of those are so, so scary in a different, not just horror kind of way, but like a real and heavy um, life kind of way. (laughs) They're very personal to people. People have very strong opinions on those things. Yes, and so one disclaimer I just want to make that it this is why like Emily and I have sort of kind of immediately going in struggled with how we're going to talk about this is the the religious aspect so it when we maybe as we talk about this get really frustrated and upset about how religion is handled in this K-drama, just know, if you haven't watched it, or if you have, just know that we're likely referencing religious fanaticism, and when that is harmful, and not 
religion as it can be a good thing for people. But also, Emily and I are not religious people. Um, we grew up around religion, and it is not a part of either of our lives right now. And so we are going to work really hard to be sensitive, but just know that we aren't condemning, you know, like you or your religion or anyone, unless that person is being harmful in their practices of their religion. Yeah, we want our podcast to be a safe space for our listeners, so we don't want you at all to feel attacked by us condemning the parts of this drama, which are clearly hyperbolized to the extreme of how religion can be dark and misused. So, it's, yeah, it's hard for us to talk about delicately, but that's it's the show we signed up for, and it's kind of the main theme of the show we signed up for, so it would be hard to not talk about religion at all while approaching this show. But, yeah, hopefully we can all agree that clearly how religion is used in this show and how the words God and divine intention are used in this show are pretty different, pretty extreme versions of reality. So it's not that we're condemning, yeah, your real-life personal beliefs of, of religion and your God, as long as you're not out there murdering anyone. I think we can all, uh, we can all say we're on the same page. Murder is bad. And um, <laughs> this, yeah, this show's a wild ride, and we don't know how to approach it very well. We're going to try our best, but we want you to feel safe here. So, one, call us out if you don't feel we did a good job, of course, and we'd love to have an open conversation with you. But also take with a grain of salt that we're trying to condemn this horrible, horrifying show and I guess it's ideas that are supposed to be horrible and separate that from reality. We're trying. We're trying so hard. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Uh, I actually, so I took exactly two notes. Oh, dang. And they're on my phone and my phone is right here, but I don't really feel like unlocking it. So I'm just going to try and think about what they are later. But they were all on episode three. So we can, like, start somewhere else. Um, uh, what do you want to talk about with this gay drama? Um, so it's not on episode one. It's probably also... It's just all all three of the episodes, because I feel like there was a bit of a finale feeling at the end of episode three. So maybe I'm jumping in at an inappropriate spot as well. But I was thinking... In bed last night. It's not in my notes at all, but just as the show overall, I felt disappointed in a way. And there were spots that had me nauseous. There were spots that had me very uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, I tried to remember that it was a horror and it was supposed to be awful. And we, we can touch on those points later. But overall, I thought it was frustrating and disappointing that they'd given us so much to work with and so much to hope for, and then by the end, it was all gone, and we're only halfway through the show. So maybe they'll give us different things, but they gave us this concept that people are chosen for hell, and then they are taken to hell in this horrifying way. And then they kind of took that away at the end with the monologue. It was like, no, this is random. This is not half. It doesn't have anything to do with sin or religion. There's no rhyme or reason to it. That part of the show is gone. There's no story there. They gave us this enigmatic cult leader who's super spooky, but eerily charming. And you kind of love to watch him. And then he's gone. They took him away. They gave us this amazing female lead who's... Role isn't super clear. I don't feel like she did too much because she's this lawyer and she starts to get involved with one of the people who's condemned to hell. And she does so much for that lady and her kids. And you're like, yeah, I want to see this lady go all the way. And then they take her away from us. 
And I think all we're left with is this cop who they gave us this broken but just detective who knows right from wrong. And at the end of the show, it's just his awful murderer daughter patting him on the back like she won something. And he's this completely shattered man who we don't know where he's going to go. I think there's more to come in the next three episodes because he's all that's left. He's literally it now. But they gave us these things that were kind of exciting and seemed like they were going to build into something. And they've shattered everything. Everything has been taken away. So I've, besides all the little things that I think we can go through that I took notes on that made me uncomfortable or made me frustrated or whatever, as an overarching theme, I walked away feeling like disappointed and confused that everything that they had given us was done in episode three of six. Yeah, I feel like the only thing they can do at this point is a massive heel turn of what the whole show even is at this point, which I don't think was necessary because they could have spent a lot more time on literally just the absolute mystery that is, like, whatever is happening, right? Um, and I... I I don't even disagree with them so early on saying, uh, just kidding, uh, it had nothing to do with whether or not you're a good person. Like, I don't mind that being a big reveal early on because I think there's a place you can go with it from there, which is, um, like, oh, okay, well, now the consensus is it's random, but we need to look into this further, which I, I, I even know, um, maybe like why they're taking it in the direction they are because it's something that horror movies do a lot horror movies and show horror media which is exploring the horror of humanity which they're doing a very good job of because pretty much everyone is psychotically terrible I just hate absolutely it. every single person except the two leads they've given us so far is just a terrible person up to and including one of the lead's daughter, which I, you know, that's also tricky because I think that she's a good example of um, how cult leaders and people who, who manipulate others and take advantage tend to seek out the person who is they they are able to find people's vulnerabilities. And so I think that's very interesting. I just don't... They didn't really give me a chance to care about her so much, so now I've just kind of written her off mm -hmm. because the most I can even begin caring about her was the um, that she, you know, is the daughter of a protagonist. I actually kind of like. I like this cop that they gave us who, like you said, is... He's broken and flawed for sure, but they made a a good person. For some reason, I was expecting him to kind of turn out to be like a shady, shitty guy that ha like was forced into looking for the truth or whatever. But he's very likable, and I I liked following the story when he was around and like having the conversations and trying to do the right thing and. I don't know. I other than that, I don't really care about his daughter that much at this point. I just, I just don't understand. They've made some pretty big extremes, which classic K drama, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> that this girl who is, I, I don't know. The more I'm talking about, it, the more I'm talking myself into kind of liking what they did with her character of like going so extreme because she was drawn into this cult, which is a thing that happens in real life of people doing extreme things they never would. Yeah. But they just didn't give me enough time to see that she would never have done that before, before they were like, and then she was manipulated into being a crazy murderer who is remorseless in what she did. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing. That made me disappointed in that storyline, because I agree, I think it was a really interesting storyline in total, saying that there's this very persuasive leader who draws people into the cult, 
by, yeah, preying on their weaknesses, on their vulnerabilities. And I thought that was a really well thought out storyline because we also got the hint of it when he talked to the detective for the first time where he was like, well, I've heard about what happened to your wife. Don't you think that guy should have gotten justice? And I, I thought that was an interesting conversation that the detective could have brought up later with his daughter. Either way, it's fine. I I was pr- pretty quickly persuaded by this cult leader and being like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. We should bring justice that the world can't bring. Um, anyways, I thought he had good points. It was an interesting storyline that he pulls in the daughter. I think where they lost me was her laughing out loud at a man being burned alive. I think that's yeah. a clear... Too much of a break from reality, where even in, in your darkest moment, at your cruelest, seeing a man want to die, I don't think any person could watch someone being burned alive and laugh. So it kind of just felt like yeah. this disconnect where you're like, oh, so she's not a regular teenage girl, she's a psychopath, and... Not in the clinical sense. She's in the, like, horror movie sense, psychopath, where she enjoys killing. And that means I don't like her. Right, yeah. Like, they they didn't offer up the if... And maybe their intention is to have a, a psychopath high schooler. Uh, maybe she is an absolutely, like, everything failed her from the moment her mother died. And she, you know, has been on this downworld downward spiral for a while but we don't know that and if if that is what they were going for great i guess but i was expecting it to be more like even you know the person closest to you under the right circumstances can be manipulated to do bad things um you know and i think yeah it would have made him seem more terrifyingly persuasive if it didn't seem like something she wanted to do or was okay with after it happened. Or, yeah, and even if it was a hysterical laugh or whatever, it like you said, it just, um, the way it was presented didn't feel like a kid who was manipulated, who was, uh, like, in over their head. It felt like a kid who didn't mind so much watching a man burn alive, which is not realistic if if what you're going for is, you know, this manipulative cult, cult leader drew her in and, and convinced her this was a good idea or whatever. Yeah, I think that could have been a defining moment for her character and more importantly for this cult leader's character to say he's that powerful that he got this girl to murder someone, even though now that she's watching him die, it's awful. It's the worst thing that she's ever seen. And he made her do that because he's just that convincing. But instead, yeah, it gave her, I guess it didn't give her power, just made her character a lot different than the average teenage girl who was manipulated by an, an enigmatic cult leader. So it just took it in a different direction than I liked, and it made me hate her character because she's crazy and evil, and I guess that's fine, but I wanted her to be the sweet 14-year-old girl who made mistakes, not the secret psychopath who is pulling the strings on her sweet, awesome father, who's the only protagonist we have at this point. He's all that's left. He's... That's another frustrating point. Sorry to spin off. It kind of, I guess it's just a fast-moving drama, but it kind of frustrated me how quickly every single person in the City of Soul was convinced that these demons were real and that they, I don't know, couldn't, can't leave their house and they have to just hunt down and kill anyone who doesn't bow to the demon kings like i what is that you convinced 40 million people overnight i don't know how many people are in soul i know it's not 40 million but it's a it's a lot of people and overnight yeah you're right just everyone's a believer which i just i just don't think is realistic to get 
any kind of consensus out of anyone. Yeah, maybe it's just American of us, but getting that many people to believe in something overnight where you're like, there's literally three people left in the city who are questioning this. It's not even that they don't believe because they saw it right in front of their eyes. They saw this woman die. But um, they're kind of confused as to what's happening. They don't know if it's God and if they should bow down to this force. Literally everyone else is cool with it. They're going to bow down. Right. And then I try and think about it from the point of view of the viewer, right? Where they gave us no definitive proof whether or not it was random, you know? Which is to say, it seemed more likely... Uh, with the information we as viewers were being given, that it really was only people who had committed some kind of sin that get targeted um, up until the third episode. It's one of those things where it's like, obviously, we're viewers who know we're watching a work of fiction. But even within that work of fiction, there is room for... Um, skepticism or belief, right, of what the rules of this world are. And with the information presented, we got about the same as, you know, the people of Seoul or whatever. And with that information, we, I don't know, it's just like, we could say we're sort of in the same shoes and we have skepticism. Like you and I say, okay, maybe it's God, but maybe it's something else, like, causing this. So it's, like, weird maybe to use that as an example, but it's, like, that's, like, saying there is no one who would question that, like, that this is God's will, which is to say, even if I believed that it was, like, angels or demons or whatever taking people to hell because they had sinned, I would think it was buck wild to just assume what God's will is to the point of a bunch of, like, m maybe I'm the med medical professional who ignored a cancer patient who had been beaten in the streets based on who her daughter was and what her beliefs were. Like, that's a huge leap in the direction of, wow, humans are actual fucking evil pieces of shit. Yeah. All of them. 40 million- the the consensus across the board was there was not a single medical professional who said, I will put aside my personal beliefs to help this person in this hospital in Seoul. And it's that backwards thinking that I think this show has a lot of that drives me crazy. Because, yeah, the thinking, obviously they have the extremist group, the Arrowheads, which I think is a great hyperbole or a great example of how extremists think and operate. But then, yeah, there's this lesser level where everyone who believes in the new truth is suddenly just not okay with, yeah, these three people in Seoul who didn't bow at the, at the last reckoning. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense at all. Because how does that make yeah. you the good person that gets to heaven? This is the logic, right? That you are avoiding right. sin. But then to be a medical professional who's not administering treatment to anyone for any reason, just being like, I don't, I don't think I want to do that. It, does that but not seem every bad? medical professional? Yeah, like every medical professional agreed like this is not sin. This doesn't count. Yeah. That seems so buckle. And yeah, I had the same thought too of even I know that it's the extremist group Arrowhead that is going around in the streets beating people and like raiding police stations and beating people with metal bars and so obviously it's quote unquote extremist groups. But at what point, I guess, it, are we willing to say that every single, like, all of those so many groups of people who in the streets were just attacking other humans, like, what murder is bad murder then? Yeah! Like, tell me what murder is bad murder. Uh, it, only the murder that you think is bad, and which I know is, 
probably the philosophical question they're going for, but they've done it in a way where they're like, no one can tell the difference. Everyone has decided that only the murder that they commit is good murder, and that's what's so scary. And I'm just like, that's not scary. That's just like, you're asking me to suspend so much disbelief and believe the worst in every single normal, per- quote-unquote, normal person. Yeah, they're all At least as they're so portrayed. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the medical professionals are the more extreme example, but even the people on the street, we see this lawyer who is has worked with, I want to say her, her name is Lawyer Min. Her partner mm-hmm. is beaten up and bleeding out on the street, and people are taking pictures of him. Nobody steps up to help him, which, again, it's this, I don't know, he's clearly the example. He's supposed to be an example of what happens if you disobey, but there is no thought in a single person's head that ignoring him is what sin looks like, that not helping him is, the that's the right answer, that's fine, to just ignore a person bleeding out on the street, that's the good world that we're trying to build because he was a quote-unquote bad person and somebody else decided that. I don't... What? Yeah, that's so much suspension of disbelief. Or, like, it's not even... I guess they all kind of become the same thing as what they're trying to show us at the end, that the arrowheads and the... uh, What is it? The new... New truth? Yeah, the new truth become... Maybe that is what they were trying to say. Like, I, I keep saying maybe... I guess I just wish I had some more clarity. Maybe we're maybe we're not giving enough credit where credit is due. I guess we might find out in the next three episodes where they want to head with everything. But the new truth and the arrowheads become the same thing at the end because it was the new leader of the new truth that had attorney Min beaten and left for dead. I'm not convinced she's dead. Oh, I, really? I will say. I'm, I'm fully convinced. Yeah, I don't think... I don't think they gave us enough proof that that she was was super super dead, which I know is like kind of weird, but um I won't believe it until I guess maybe they start episode 4 with her on the autopsy table or whatever. Not that anyone would look into it anymore, I guess, cuz everyone's evil. Yeah. Now. But uh they it was the new truth that that did that or at least the leader of the new truth that had that ordered to have them kill her. So it's like, not just the extremists that have decided that murder is okay in certain situations, but it's other people who are supposed to be, you know, this following this person who says that these murderers are getting condemned to hell or whatever. Yeah. So again, we're just harping on the same point where it's just absolutely buckwild insane that that we're picking and choosing what murder is okay and when it's okay. And that's a lot. That's the new truth. That's what we've decided. Yeah. It's so frustrating because yeah, even if lawyer Min was alive, there's apparently no doctor in Korea who would treat her because she has stood up against the new truth and said, I don't know if this is quite right. She didn't even outright say, I denounce all of this religious stuff. I'm totally against it. She just said, hold up. I've still got a few questions. And everybody said, okay, that is that is your death. That is your mother's death. That is the death of anyone you've ever helped or met. And it's just kind of ridiculous at that point. Because, yeah, like you said, it's not just the arrowheads who are being extreme, it is every person in Korea who has decided that anyone questioning this religious order is condemned to die. And I, maybe I'm just, I don't care for horror where there feels like there's no hope. And this one, I think if they'd shown, even just here and there, almost this underground railroad, this secret network of people who were able to operate normally, were able to treat patients and talk to people and go about their daily lives 
and say, this might be happening, but I need to keep doing what I'm doing to even be able to function. I think if they'd shown us a a few more of those people, I would be more on board with what's going to happen next. But painting this picture where all the streets of Seoul are empty, which is such a cool shot. All the shots of the empty streets were so neat. But to have that be all that's left with overnight is so frustratingly hopeless that I'm just not excited about it. I'm not excited to watch this show anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's not, it's hopeless and there's not, um, I think what makes interesting horror is, uh, I do like when they explore, you know, certain themes. I think there's some themes that are a little bit more tired than others. Um, but I like when, when it is kind of like this, this setting of good people within, or like the people you root for at the very least, but obviously like you, you root for a good person and, It's when it's, you know, this group of good people or, you know, these few good people that are experiencing horror, uh, that is, makes it particularly compelling. And at this point, now it's like one guy, (laughs) uh, maybe two if I'm right and the attorney is still alive. Then it's two people who are experiencing, you know, the horror of humanity, which I guess is like the theme we're exploring is um, how, you know, misinformation and religious fanaticism can drive people to do things they wouldn't have before or drive people to do the wrong thing. But it's like, because it's driving everyone to do the wrong thing, it's like, it, it doesn't feel that like like we're experiencing horror now it just feels like we're it's a dystopian society at this point it it doesn't feel maybe like a horror has come to to soul or whatever it's like uh no this is fully like how society is now this is a dystopia a religious dystopia that we've created which is a different type of movie that i i didn't think that's what it would be necessarily i didn't read up a lot i knew it was like spooky angel demon things and i knew there were religious like undertones because of that it's literally called hellbound yeah so uh but i didn't think it would be like a dystopian society where there's misinformation and religious fanatics where it's like oh Oh, come on that exists and it makes me sad (laughs) can we just do zombies or something which so far don't exist so yeah because at least in a zombie movie you can fight back you can kill the zombies when they attack you, but this dude tries to get to Jinsu's apartment, and he has to walk through hordes of regular living people who are just being mean to him, and eventually they start to try and beat him, and he's like, I guess I just have to take this because I am the only good person left who doesn't think it's right to just start throwing punches at innocent people. So uh, I guess I'll just die. (laughs) That's so much sadder than a zombie movie or any other kind of horror where if somebody's trying to kill you, you also can try to kill them. That's almost the fun of it is the point in the movie when the protagonists band together and try and figure out how to outsmart the killer. No, if everyone's a killer and you're the only one who is intrinsically opposed to murder, what are we going to (laughs) do? Yeah, do you have to just eliminate every person in Seoul? Like, and it will just feel so weird, because... Not that I think it'll happen, because he, I guess, made the personal decision not to even have a recording of the confession that the cult leader made, just in case he needed it, you know, just in case he later decided to reveal the truth on this whole situation and blow this wide open. He decided maybe it was not worth it to get 
like any kind of evidence, which the cult leader was fully giving him, I think he would have been like, yeah, record me. Uh, I will tell the whole truth to the camera right now. And then you can, because that's what the whole speech was, is like, I'm putting the world in your hands. You can decide now. Are you going to blow this case wide open and cause mass panic because this is random? Or are you going to allow people to become better? And it's like, they're not which I guess is like the whole point is now he's conflicted because if he blows it wide open, he also has to blow his daughter's case wide open. And that's where the conflict is. But there's no conflict because there is no recording. There is no proof. There's nothing. The decision was made. It was final. There's no like ongoing will he, won't he that I think could have been very interesting with him having a recording of that, uh, even should he have decided to delete it later and it comes to nothing, then I think it still would have been very interesting to have had that. But he didn't take any proof. But even still, it's like, at this point, there's no hope in the sense that, say, like, we blow, we blow the truth just absolutely... Uh, everyone now knows the truth that, like, this can happen to anyone. But maybe we solve it. Maybe we figure out who, like, and how to avoid the demons or whatever. And then we go back to, what, society being normal? We just found out that every single person in Seoul is absolutely psychotic and okay with murder. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, how do you move forward from this? We did Purge Night. I've never seen The Purge because this type of horror makes me sad, as you can tell. Yeah. But we did yeah, The Purge society Night horror. and literally every person was like, murder? I think I choose murder. I don't want to go into a Dunkin' Donuts and steal all the donuts. I want to murder. And yeah. why? Why is that your choice of crime? You can do anything. But I guess that's the religious conflict is, yeah, I, I don't know why it's okay to murder bad guys, but that's what the new truth seems to be saying. So that that is the one crime that is an exception to the sin rule. You can murder bad guys if you decide arbitrarily they are bad. Anyways, I don't know if he did record it. I don't think so, but I'm similar to you not being fully convinced that Lawyer Min is dead, I'm not fully convinced he didn't record it at all. We have no proof, but it could be a phone-in-the-pocket situation, and I guess I'm leaning towards that because it seems silly otherwise. Like you said, it's hopeless either way, even if he has the recording, but it seems silly that we went through that whole scene and there was just not even the thought to extend this crisis, this moral dilemma, a little bit longer by recording it and having to decide later if he wanted to release it. It was all just, nope, I am, right now, I'm good. And I will never think about this again. I will never second guess this decision, <laughs> which just seems weird. So I hope, I guess, that he did record it and we just didn't see that. But it only because it would be weird if he didn't. So it's not that hopeful. It's just a weird, weird show. It is very, uh, yeah. I don't even, I don't even know. Because I also am expecting that the arrow, like, they'll eventually reveal who the arrowhead um, creep is. The one that spreads all this misinformation. And one of my notes, one of my two notes was, I, if... If it is the detective, um, if he's the one who I think his name is like Kyung Hu or something, um, the main character. Yeah, I think it's Kyung Hyung. Okay. Yeah, um, Kyung Kyung Hun Kyung Hun Hun. Okay. Yeah. So I I one of my notes was I will be furious if it's him <laughs> specifically. God, but I hope. I that. think it's supposed to be a big reveal, right? And uh, my my thought was it's going to be someone who we thought wasn't so bad, kind of like finding out that his uh, detective partner, his police partner person is a part of the Arrowheads and spread the information about the identity of the kids, which they, I will credit where credit is due. They 
devastated me with that whole storyline with the mother mm-hmm. and her two kids. They wrecked my shit, but in a way that was very compelling. It was devastating. I never want to go through it again. Um, I was so sad. I When she said, I wish I had hugged them one last time, I burst into tears in a really weird way because I wanted to hug my mom so badly. It's not even a remotely relatable situation. And all I could think was, I just want to hug my mom. And so they, like like I said, credit where credit is due. I thought that whole storyline was very, very good. Um, maybe up until the end, I'm still conflicted because it's not that I mind that they ultimately decide to kill her now that, um, we know that it's random. Um, and I don't even know if I would have minded if it wasn't and, like, she did something that we maybe wouldn't have thought was bad, but apparently was enough for her to be hellbound or whatever. I have forgotten what I was talking about. Oh, um, (laughs) just that, like... It was frustrating to find out that his police detective partner, but obviously the leader of the Arrowheads isn't him. So I was thinking it was going to be, yeah, like maybe someone close to them, but there's who, no one is close to them. I think the only one left is the chief, who I think they really endeared him to me with the storyline with uh, the criminal especially when he gets like taken to prison or wherever he gets like put on a bus and kyung hyun is there and the chief just holds him he's like you have to be strong for your daughter i think the chief was kind of a background character that was likable enough but in that moment he was so endeared to me that i think he fits your your description of Someone who will shock and disappoint me if he's the Arrowhead guy. Yeah, because it's got to be someone that we at least somewhat care about. Someone we'd be like, oh, no. Yeah. And if it if it's the detective, I will be furious. I would rather it be, yeah, a secondary character that we were attached to or something. Because I do think it's a little bit tired to say, ah, the main character that you followed through this entire story... You've completely misunderstood them. They were bad before you even knew them. And it's like, I don't know. I don't love that type of reveal very much. It it kind of falls in line with the it was all a dream yeah. thing for me where I'm like, eh, that is not compelling or interesting. Yeah, but there's hardly anyone left. I think that's what you were about to say when I cut you off. I'm so sorry. But yeah, there's not very many likable characters left in this show. So it's hard to imagine anyone but Kyung Hyun being the big reveal, the Arrowhead guy. Hopefully it's the chief. I feel like he'll break my heart just enough to make me feel what they want me to feel. But it won't feel as silly as if they tried to say the Arrowhead guy is Kyung Hyun. I would be frustrated if they did that. Um, I genuinely almost turned off the show when the grandma got beat up some parts of this have just made me really nauseous i fast forwarded i couldn't do it i've become really sensitive to stuff uh recently like especially gore stuff i used to be able to handle it a lot better like game of thrones used to be my favorite show and then i just recently i've noticed that i look away from the screen if i start to feel uncomfortable or if things get too graphic or I will fast forward through parts and just miss out on a little bit of context that hopefully I pick up later because I can't, I can't like in some situations even listen to it. Uh, so it's not enough to look away from the screen. And that was one of those where I had to fast forward because it was, like you said, it was nauseating. It was too hard to, to really deal with. And yeah, in this, <laughs> in this time in my life when I am slowly becoming a Nuna <laughs> and then transitioning into Ajuma, <laughs> I uh, I just can't. Yeah, it's I. This is maybe silly, but I think I would have handled it better if the demons came in and tore people limb from limb and just tossed the pieces of their bodies all over town, and that was the thing. But for some reason, watching them take a whole person who is just conscious and trying to run every time the demons come. It's so much worse. It's, I, 
I hate it. I don't like that that was the choice. I wish it was, yeah, some ridiculously extreme gore that was just almost funny in how crazy it is. But instead they went for, like, a person could do this to another person. In in every one of their scenes, in every one of their gore scenes, it is something that a person is capable of doing to another person, which makes it just gross and hard to walk around my real life after watching. I don't want to participate in reality after watching this show, which is not the kind of horror I enjoy. I want the silly kind that is super gross and super terrifying and then you can disconnect from and kind of forget about because it's so unrealistic. This is not that. This is a bit much. Yeah, it is. It's it's a lot. And yeah, it's. I thought about that too, especially, I mean, that opening scene where they're very first um, taking on that guy. And it, there were multiple times where I was like, there's no way he's still conscious. Yeah. Uh, but he was continuously until the very end. Like, at one point, it looked like they bit out his spine and he was still conscious. And that was a lot. But it was, yeah, it was still preferable to just any amount of just, yeah, the beating that they all take and the beating that humans are giving to other humans. It's hard to watch people get beaten alive. Uh, beaten to death, essentially, yeah. from being alive and fully conscious. That was actually, that was a part, there's a show called The Uncanny Counter that is a really, it's pretty cute and lighthearted. It's on Netflix. And I, I think I got just a couple episodes in, and they had a bullying scene that was very similar to that. It was like just these high schoolers almost beating each other to death, and I never watched the show again. That's just not something that I can engage with, is just humans hurting each other that badly. And again, that's maybe completely silly because I love a slasher. I love a zombie film. You tear someone's guts out of them? That's cool. Go for it. But if you beat them with a baseball bat? I hate it. I hate it so much. Oh, so yes. it's weird. I, I don't know if I'm the only one. I don't think I am. But yeah, this show's just not the vibe. And I, I almost texted you. <laughs> we shouldn't have announced it. We shouldn't have said we were watching this one, because I might have quit. Yeah, if we had not said we were watching this one, I probably would have texted you the same thing and been like, should we choose a different one, maybe? Um, should we choose a fun one? Because I don't like this one. It's not fun. It's sad. Yeah, um, yeah this one is bumming me out. <laughs> I do have one last completely stupid thing that it was just in my notes that it's such a dumb thing to end on but I'll just toss it out there uh, I did not buy the whole black jacket being evidence thing for a single second that's insane it is insane to be like I saw in the security footage uh, the CCTV footage that the person dragging off this man was wearing a black jacket, and now I can see that this other guy who I don't like owns a black jacket. So that was the least compelling piece of evidence I've ever seen in any legal or cop or any type of drama ever. Black jackets cannot be used as definitive proof that someone committed a crime. I think that's the whole point, is it's a solid black color that probably all 40 million of the murderers <laughs> in this fictional version of Soul owns. So you cannot tell me that <laughs> just because you caught the sleeve of a black jacket in the background of this interview, that this must be, this simply must be the murderer. Because I couldn't see the CCTV very well. I probably had my dimness down too much. But there is a jacket that looks very similar to yours in that it, it's a black jacket, but it has a big white stripe down the sleeve. And that's mm. his daughter's jacket. 
So I thought, I know that it was his daughter's jacket that was hanging in Jinsu's live stream, and that's why he freaked out. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, he okay. was like, that's I my thought daughter's. it was like him being like, it's proof. No. He was like, it is my kid's m- been missing, and that's her jacket. But I don't have any context for what was happening in the CCTV. I thought he then also recognized his daughter, but it could be that he saw Jinsu because he hates Jinsu and was like, this man's a murderer. Um, you could be absolutely right on that. He could be like, Black Jacket, that's probably Jinsu. That's probably that man. I just would counter that he might have been like, I'm pretty sure that's my kid. Is my daughter a murderer? Did she murder my wife's murderer? That might have been it. Maybe, yeah, maybe I misread the situation. I for sure thought he was like, <laughs> a black jacket. A black jacket. It was it. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> oh, um, there's hope, right? There's hope. There's three more episodes. We're halfway through, and that feels good. Yeah. The only thing that I'm also thinking is this is a Netflix drama. We might have to not do Netflix-made dramas anymore because Netflix keeps doing lots of seasons of all... They're they're westernizing K-dramas, and that is super annoying um, for reasons that I would be happy to discuss. I think I've probably mentioned on the podcast before and would be happy to discuss further. I love K-drama formats and that it's like one and done and they tell a whole complete story in a single season in somewhere between six and 20 episodes. And that is my favorite thing in this world. And I hate, hate, hate that Netflix is capitalizing and westernizing K-dramas. Sometimes I love something enough that I don't mind if it has a second season. And then other times uh, it gets really driven home when I'm like, ah, could you just tell this story in a single season instead of doing six episodes and then teasing us with more that I w- I'm never going to want to watch. I'm never going to watch season two of Hellbound if there is one. Kingdom, yeah. they got me. I'm gonna watch Kingdom forever, and I hate myself for it, but more so I hate them for it, because they could have just done 16 episodes, one and done. It could have been a perfect zombie show. But this one... They're not going to get me. I'm really just hopeful that the next three episodes can give us a more hopeful finale. It kind of feels like episode three had a finale. It just wasn't a good one. So (laughs) I'm hoping episode six has an even better one. But if they don't, if they go the cliffhanger angle, I'll just be mad. It will be critically disappointing to not be able to just finish this drama. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, which is to say we would be finished, but it would be nice if it had a nice, I don't know, period or exclamation point or honestly even a question mark. If that question mark isn't at the end of the sentence continued in season two. Yeah, no. (laughs) Uh, Is that a good place to end, though? Probably so. I feel good about what we've done. We honestly talked about it longer than I thought we'd be able to. I do think we got some some. Some rants and tangents right up in here. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like instead of a conversation, this one was just you and I allowing each other to tangent for five minutes and then being like, okay, you did great and I agree with everything you said. My turn. Let's go. (laughs) I'm sorry if you liked Hellbound. Anyone out there? We just didn't. Yep. It is so far not our type of... It's society horror, and that is hard for us because society already feels like a horror. (laughs) (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. And with that, if you want to tell us (laughs) a horror drama that we should have watched instead, you can email us at playnkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. If we're wrong or we said something wrong about or portrayed anything wrong, we love to hear about that too. So never feel afraid to have a conversation with us about it as long as it's a super civil conversation. We're happy to to keep an open mind. Um, but uh, yeah, you can reach us there or you can check out our um, website where we have our episodes and our links to our affiliates like Skillshare if you want to learn a new skill or Blueberry Podcasting if you want to start a podcast 
Or uh, NordVPN, if you want to find a K-drama that might not be licensed in your region, but is licensed in another region, or just generally secure your presence on the internet. And those can all be found at playonk.com. Woo! You can find a link to our Patreon at playonk.com as well, or you can go directly to patreon.com slash playonk. And I'm thinking of moving in a different direction with our Patreon. I guess announcements to come, but if you want to support us monetarily there, that's that's a great way to do it, and we cannot thank you enough. Yeah, and then uh, if there's other ways you want to support us, the freest way to do that would give me, would be giving us a five-star rating and review and subscribing wherever you listen to us. Uh, so... Yeah, that's pretty much where you are right now, and you can just drop that in there, and it helps other K-Drama podcast listeners find us. Yeah, last but not least, we are on Twitter at PlayOnK, we're on Instagram at PlayOnK Podcast, and that's it. Maybe we'll open up more channels soon, but we'll let you know. Oh, one more, one more week of Hellbound. We'll see you next week with the finale of Hellbound. Yeah, K-Bye. K-Bye.